listening to Astro Detectives, where longtime friends Scott and Sarah try to debunk or prove the ancient phenomenon of astrology. I'm Sarah Hartshorn, the astrologer. And I'm Scott Randall, the skeptic. Each episode, I'll give Sarah two birth charts, one belonging to our guest and one that I made up. She'll use astrology to try to match the right chart to our guest. A birth chart is a snapshot of the sky when a person is born. It reveals an incredible amount of information about a person. Enough to match a person to the right chart? We'll see. Today is our third episode and our any updates? What are we are we going to do things a little bit differently to try to categorize these um these two charts before we bring our guest on a little bit more and get a clearer picture of who these two individuals are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are some interesting similarities between these two charts and some big differences. So um, the main similarity that we have going on with these two charts is this is a this is a person from an older generation. I can tell right away because <laughs> the giveaway is Pluto. So for anyone who doesn't know, Pluto is um, stays in a zodiac sign for about ten to twenty years. So it really marks a generation. And um, both of these charts have Pluto in Cancer, which would be the generation that was born um, from 1914 to 1938. So these people have seen some stuff. <laughs> well, you get more life to dissect in your question. Yes. I'm very excited about that. So just Person to give people... Well, personality-wise, is there anything? Because I usually do try to keep the ages about the same, whether they're younger or older, and just because I do know. You've told me Pluto is a dead giveaway. Yeah. So they'll usually be the same um, Pluto-ish sign. Mm-hmm. Um, anything yeah. else going on? Yeah, This and this is definitely someone who was born toward the end of Pluto being in Cancer, just because of some other placements I can see, and that it's in the later degrees of Pluto. But just... Uh, so people understand Pluto is a planet that brings a lot of major beginnings and endings and transformation. And so um, during the time that it is in a sign, a lot of things that are associated with that sign will come to prominence, will be invented, will be transformed. And then that generation will continue to carry those ideals into the future with them. So cancer being associated with women, motherhood, nurturing, and food. Um, during that time that Pluto was in cancer, we had women's suffrage, so women had the right to vote now. Um, family was really prominent then, the family unit. Um, and with men going to war, women really taking on the role of, um, you know, the worker and the caretakers and just the, it was the rise of women during this time. And, um, and then one other interesting thing was food, um, ready-made, there was the ready-made meal revolution. And so canned food and frozen food became like exploded during this time during the 1950s, I think, which actually was that generation carrying that, you know, they're, they've grown up now and now their, um, their mission here is to like change the way, um, we get food. Mm. Any, so, any personality? Well, I guess other than, than, um, generationally and, and new ways to create food. Um, maybe we'll just do differences. What are we? Uh, yeah. What are we looking yeah. at for chart A? Do we want to kind of paint a picture of that person first? Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you the main differences about chart A and B. Um, so chart A, um, not only does this person have Pluto and Cancer, this is someone who has their son in cancer and they're rising in cancer. Um, so they have a lot of cancerian energy um, and they have a moon in Libra. So what people need to know about 
Cancer and Libra signs is they are considered cardinal signs. Cardinal means that they come at the beginning of the season. And so all cardinal signs are signs that are a little bit more uh, taking initiative. Um, they can be a little more outgoing. They can be more um, themes around crisis. Um, and especially with cancer and labor there can be a tendency to want to avoid crisis due to overwhelm with crisis. Um, so this person has a lot of cardinal energy. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and a lot of Cancerian energy. Um, so I kind of nicknamed, so to get into more of the personality traits, this person would be very sensitive. They would be protective. Emotions would be a big part. They would really feel things. They'd be nurturing, reflective. Um, because their son is in the first house, they'd be a little more focused on themselves. Um, even though cancer is, it's interesting because cancer is a sign about nurturing other people, but, um, They've got their son in the first house, so um, there's a lot of self-nurturing there. Um, and they would have a big personality. They'd be very warm. They might be kind of moody, um, and they I think they would be very funny. Um, I also feel like they would have been someone who would have been a, a, a leader in the workplace, but it would have been something that would have taken them a long time to achieve. Um, so I and so cancer being associated with the home, this usually people who have a lot of cancer energy like to be at home a lot. So I and um, and then with their moon in Libra, which Libra loves harmony and peace. I really kind of gonna name this <laughs> chart a the harmonious homebody. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a little description of chart a. Um, and then chart B, I, um, felt like this person was a lot more idealistic, a lot more practical, a lot more realistic, a lot of focus on intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, morality, like good versus bad. They'd be an excellent communicator. They might even be a writer or a teacher, um, they have a lot of placements that indicate that writing and communication would be really big for a, a, a talent of theirs. Um, and I feel like they would have a really strong sense of duty, um, you know, doing things out of service, um, but not necessarily, but like maybe to the point of like things that they didn't necessarily want to do, but they're doing them out of service. So um, I kind of, named this chart, chart B, the practical idealist. So we've got the harmonious homebody and the practical idealist. All right. And there's <laughs> got to be some way that we can, and I know we're sort of brainstorming on this, how to sort of compare these two um, on the same like with the same metrics, you know, whether it's introvert, extrovert, or whether it's certain other characteristics, are there anything, I mean, I guess we could take any of these traits that you were mentioning and say like chart A, you mentioned like outgoing. So B would be less outgoing and B is idealistic. So A would be much more like compromising or are there any of those that stand out where you would say like this person is this and the opposite of that is this other chart? Yeah. It's a lot more um, complex than that. It's hard to kind of sum up into just because kind of like you've said, people are a blend and there's a lot going on here. Um, but I, I would say uh, chart A is probably more um, there's someone who's going to take action. It's hard to say if they're going to be more outgoing because they do have a Libra moon, which is probably going to really want to be social and outgoing, but it's in, it's in square, which means in conflict with all of their cancer energy, which also um, can get 
really overwhelmed by being around a lot of people. So they've got like this inner conflict in them, you know, so they could identify as someone who is introverted and extroverted. And of course, that's where my skepticism (laughs) says, of course, we can make it fit (laughs) to anyone. Well, that's why that's why I think maybe summing it up as just introverted or extroverted is maybe not the way to go. Mm-hmm. It's a little more complex than that. I would say um, the main difference is, is that A is someone who is going to be a lot more um, a lot more sensing and feeling and emotionally driven um, and self-focused, whereas B is someone who's going to be more practical, logical, down-to-earth, and less emotionally um, driven, I feel. All right. Anything um, before we let our guest in, who is uh, patiently waiting in the waiting room, uh, anything you're going to look for particularly in your questioning that we can follow along with? Yeah. um, I've got quite a few notes here. Um, I spent a long time kind of going through these charts. Um, So... I feel like another difference is maybe the area around partnership in marriage. Um, So I'd be very curious to ask them about that. Uh, Chart A looks like someone who is, well, chart B, I would say, is someone who might have a little more challenge in relationships and being in partnership with someone, um, it could be that, or it could be that they are so particular that they maybe waited a really long time to marry someone. So, um, whereas I feel like Char A may not have those same uh, challenges. Okay, so we'll be we'll be getting into some relationships with our guest and. Uh other areas too i'm sure let's go ahead and meet them right after this commercial break and we're back ready to meet our guest and see if sarah can choose the right chart she's looking at two birth charts and one belongs to our guest and let's let them in and see who we've got aha i believe you're still muted though john oh there we go there we hello this this is my uncle John from all the way over in Austin, Texas. Sarah's up in Dallas and I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for being here, John. Here we are. <laughs> so, she's looking at two birth charts. Do you know what those are? What a birth chart is? Uh I, I I'm a complete novice on birth charts. <laughs> well, that was going to be our first question is what is your experience with or opinion of astrology in general? Uh, I'm, uh, I, have, I have little or no experience with astrology, and uh, I would have to classify myself as an agnostic with respect to astrology. So you're not okay. convinced one way or the other. It could go agnostic is a nice... Uh, Open, I guess that's an well, open. Opinion. I'm an agnostic that is tended toward toward being a doubter. <laughs> hey, so, can I just clarify? Yeah. Do you mean an, an agnostic when it comes to astrology or religion? Oh no, no, I'm only with respect to astrology. Okay, gotcha. I'm, I have a I have a uh, life in a in one of the traditional uh, re- religions. Oh, you can be more specific here. We're, Sarah wants to really dive down, unless, I don't know if, if different religions are important. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a, raised in a family that followed the Christian tradition and have been a longtime member of one of the major denominations, uh, two of the major denominations, the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church. And another question we like to get pretty early on is what do you do or what have you done career-wise, um, something that you were good at? It may not necessarily have been career, but just in general, 
uh, where your talents lie, you believe, and how you've applied that over your life? Um, I have uh, I've been, been uh, educated at university level uh, in uh, the profession of architecture and have been a registered architect in a number of states and have practiced the profession of architecture through my business life. And uh, the, that's on the professional side. The other is I have been relatively uh, active physically and have, I'm a person uh, who for most of his adult life has used uh, recreational running as a primary activity. A good good combination of physical strength and mental strength, huh? Well, I guess there is some kind of a combination there, yes. Well, that's a good balance, I always heard, just uh, <laughs> to have a good routine that works out all of those. Yeah. What What is like a typical um, daily routine for you, and, and how does that work to make to make life go well. I don't know. We all have sort of our different little routines and sometimes that speaks to what's important to us. Are there certain parts of your day that are especially important to you? Sure. Sure. At, uh, at age 87, my, my, my regular, uh, wake up, get up time is at 6 AM. Uh, that gives me an opportunity to do some reading, uh, uh, do a regular reading, uh, in stoic literature. And, uh, and 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 uh, some Christian literature. Also, uh, the, the the regular newspaper in the morning and a cup of coffee is a part of my routine as well. And my, and my physical my physical activity on a rate not on not on a uh, absolutely daily basis, but on a regular basis, such as it was today. Uh, at, at my at my age, I'm, I have found that I can walk about as fast as I can run, and so uh, routinely, as I did today, uh, have a, th- a three mile route uh, in my in my neighborhood, uh, which I do at about fifteen minutes per mile uh, rate. And oh, go ahead, Sarah. You got something. <laughs> Actually, we're we usually we split this into two interviews, but Sarah, I I think we oh, should I, be more more relaxed with that. Listen, you, I was just got? gonna say I feel like such a slacker, but go on. <laughs> well, um, what is it about that morning walk that you like, or what does it bring to your day? Why is that an important part of it? That early morning uh, activity is uh, is uh, settling and uh, assists me in making myself ready for the day. It gives me some introspection at the beginning of the day uh, by reading in uh, some stoic literature and in some and uh, I, I frequently. Uh, find myself reading the Bible as well. Um, and uh, the reading of the daily newspaper is one that keeps me in tune with, uh, with my community, both close by and worldwide. And how active would you say you are in your community? Um, do you like to engage with the community? Do you like to kind of like watch things from afar? How would you describe that relationship? I think everyone would would, uh, would characterize my involvement with my community as being relatively personal. Uh, I'm uh, active in social services, uh, have been uh, over my, in my adult life, have been very uh, involved in providing social services for the homeless community. And currently I'm uh, active in a, a Founders Lions Club, which is one of the one of the original Lions Club from 115 years ago, uh, and uh, that service, uh, that that social service organization provides vision uh, support for blind and, uh, and visually impaired people. So I'm uh, really very actively involved in providing social services in in that context, and over the years uh, have been in, involved in. Uh, municipal agencies that voluntary municipal agencies that provide support for the homeless community. 
Now, see, you have a little bit more life experience than some of our other guests so, so far on this podcast. Well, I'm, yeah, at, at 87, that, that gives me a pretty full blow, pretty full vote. Well, something that's interesting to me is if the stars kind of like tell who someone is as a person. Um, I have to imagine that over someone's life, there's still room for change and growth. So you aren't necessarily the same person at age five or 20 or 50 as you are today. Have you seen some major areas of change or growth over, over your life? Um, I, have, I have seen myself as a person from, uh, from the very beginning as being susceptible to error uh, and um, find myself um, uh, taking steps to uh, correct error and uh, correct my errors. And uh, so that has been kind of a lifelong uh, characteristic of my of my personality. Is that is that a response to your question? Uh, we can spend our whole lives just trying to iron out all the wrinkles yeah. well, <laughs> as we're as we're putting on out. as we're putting on wrinkles. Well, <laughs> well um, I think it's I think it's a quality that I share with everyone. We all fall short from time to time on. Uh, uh, short of our own personal expectations of ourselves. So, well, I'm going to turn it over to Sarah, who's going to have some more specific questioning because she wants to compare one chart with the other and wants kind of like either or questions. They are a little probing, so I will remind you that any question you can say. No, thanks. I'm going to sit that one out. <laughs> and that will also give Sarah some information, too, anyway. So I don't, wor so don't worry about that. And I'll, I made I'll, I'll try to be as candid as I can possibly be. <laughs> we appreciate um, that. <laughs> and I may chime in a little bit here and there for specification. Okay. okay well, um, John, I wanted to ask you, could you tell me just a little bit about what your upbringing and your childhood was like for you? Uh, I was a, I was uh, the second child in a family of four. Um, I had an older brother and a younger sister, and then a much younger brother. My uh, parents were um, uh, devoted to the family. My father was in. Uh, the Justice Department and law enforcement for most of his life, and in, in both in the Border Patrol and uh, in the Immigration and Naturalization Service. And so I come out of a family and a culture that supports um, the uh, law enforcement agencies uh, and the you know, peace officers. Um, my mother was a public school classroom teacher. Uh, she never taught me, but uh, I was uh, in an area where I knew she was, and she was known as a one of the teachers. As I mentioned earlier, I uh, came up in a family that was out of the Christian tradition, and that has been a part of uh, uh, my life uh, from uh, the start to 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 this day, in in a variety of different ways uh, with significant changes. Uh, uh, over time. Um, is that an answer to your question? Is That's there... a perfect answer. I loved it. Thank you. Um, you mentioned that you had three siblings. What has your relationship with them been like over the years? Uh, we've been relatively close, but each one of the children, once, uh, once we got out of the house and off to the university and in business or ourselves, we've we have not we have not maintained uh, intimate contact because we are all living in different parts of the world, uh, and um, but we but we maintained strong family uh, traditions uh, with each other and their families. Regrettably for me, my older brother was a. Um, a recognized um, a special forces Green Beret that spent 
four years, uh, four tours of volunteer duty in Vietnam and came away as a part of his military life with, um, after he ended his active service, spent 18 months at Walter Reed Hospital getting himself kind of put back together after his damages that he incurred while he was uh, in battle in uh, in Vietnam. Ultimately, ultimately, uh, he uh, he died, I think, largely from the secondary effect of his wounds and in, uh, in battle in the military. Um, my um, my sister uh, and her family were close close to us, but they also were involved in with the Department of Justice and spent. Um, a good deal of their lives in Mexico City, where my brother-in-law was head of uh, immigration services for Central America with a U.S. embassy in Mexico City. My younger brother, um, my younger brother, uh, was uh, active involved in uh, international business with Ross Perot's company, and spent. Uh, good number of years uh, living in uh, Tehran be before the revolution. Uh, and so um, he and I both for a period of time were in Tehran uh, uh, doing doing business. And uh, he ultimately, he is retired now and lives in close by in Val Dallas. So we maintain a close relationship uh, there and uh, see each other from time to time uh, and and enjoy each other's families. Great. Okay. Um, Can I interject to say, if you yeah. haven't noticed, John is a storyteller in the family, and many toasts will be given by John at the Thanksgiving table, and uh, any sort of bit of history that he knows, he will form into um, a good, well-versed reading on the subject. Uh, I don't know if, if that's some insight into his personality. That's something as a casual observer I have noticed. <laughs> okay. Um, and John, where throughout your life, in what area of your life would you, do you feel that you've encountered the most resistance? Like, was it career or marriage or family, something like that? I'm not sure I understand what you mean by resistance. Oh, um, I guess the most struggle and challenge and hardship. I uh, um, enjoyed 35 years of marriage in a first marriage uh, uh, to my high school sweetheart. And uh, we raised uh, three uh, wonderful children. Uh, and to adulthood uh, until that marriage uh, ended uh, in, in divorce. And uh, subsequently then I have, en I have enjoyed a, uh, a, 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 my current marriage um, uh, and, and we have a very sound relationship uh, in, in our marriage right now. It is worthwhile. It is worthwhile saying because I know you're you are probing uh, in a variety of different ways. But I think it's worthwhile to know that as a part of my personal history uh, in that first marriage of mine, uh, a, a tragic uh, incident in which my infant son. Um, died in a crib death uh, at a, a very early age, less than a year old. And it was a tragic uh, situation that uh, uh, continues to be a part of my uh, memory of uh, uh, great times and also uh, great sadness. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And thank you for sharing that. Um. So, um, so do you feel then that marriage, um, is where you've encountered the most 
like where you had to put in a lot of work and had some struggle? Is that what you would feel? Well, my sense of it is that every marriage is a struggle uh, in, a, in a variety of different ways. Uh, but it's also marriage is uh, uh, not only just satisfying, but makes a life. And uh, uh, marriage indeed binds two people together into one. And that is a, that is a comfort uh, that is uh, very much a part, of, a part of my life. And luckily, now my, my marriage to Sally is, uh, is the most important thing for me in my life. Okay. And could you describe briefly um, both your first wife and Sally, just their personality and what they do for sure. a living? Um, my, my first wife, Sue, my high school sweetheart, uh, she was an, in, she was an innocent, uh, she was a bright and intelligent, um, and, and very, uh, able, uh, but she was, uh, unworldly in a variety of different ways, uh, and, uh, saw the world as black and white uh, with no shades of gray uh, and um, um, she had great devotion to me and it was a one of the reasons that probably that as a 18 year old 17 year old who was first married one of the reasons probably that I married Sue was that I knew that I could convince her of everything and she would always believe me no matter what I said. And it was an, it was an unfair thing on my part, but it was, uh, it was a, it was a deception in some respects on my part, uh, to which I from time to time took advantage of. Uh, my marriage to my wife, Sally, is one that is um, um, largely an, an, an equation. We are we are equivalent, and we bear with each other's shortcomings, and we celebrate each other's strengths, and we celebrate each other's uh, wisdom and patience, uh, and um, that is that. And I think that is a part of what's made my life today as uh, satisfying and fulfilling as it is. Great. Awesome. This is giving me a lot of good insight. I've got a few more questions, but I am definitely sure. leaning uh, towards one chart. <laughs> so um, let me ask, um, John, when you're trying to make an important decision, do you use logic? Do you use feeling? Do you, how do you make your decisions? Um, I make an effort to be rational uh, about decision making. Uh, I think uh, I, I hold uh, strongly to uh, some of the principles of uh, Stoicism. And that for that for me, that means that I make an effort to know what I have some control over and those things that I have no control over. And uh, my decisions are based uh, in large respect on on that on that conviction uh, that uh, things that I have no control over, there's no point in worrying about those let those, and I let those go. But after all that is said, uh, um, uh, my decisions, I expect my decisions to give me a, a good feeling about the, about the final decision. I don't let my, I don't let my intellect over, overrule my feelings. Okay. Um, and do you enjoy 
Um, do you enjoy crosswords and wordplay and chess and riddles, things of that nature? I, I do indeed. The, the, the New York Times Sunday magazine contains the spelling bee, which is a puzzle in the back pages of the New York Times magazine. And it is, uh, it, it's a, it's a spelling puzzle where, uh, where, where I am asked to, to say, how, of, of these eight letters, what, how many words can you spell out of those? And so that's a, that's a challenge to me. I love crossword puzzles and, and that, that sort of thing. Those, those mind games are great fun for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had a feeling. <laughs> and um, John, are you a very good cook? Do you ever cook or like to cook? I'm a, I'm a breakfast cook. I'm a breakfast cook. Okay. I will do uh, sausage and eggs. I will do waffles. I will do pancakes. I'll, uh, all, uh, all those things to get the day started. And so that's that's the contribution that I make in the, okay. the cooking in, in our house. Sally is Sally luckily is a great cook and uh, so I, I don't try to interrupt her or and, and make too many I certainly don't make any complaints about the, the meals that she has but but I, I have a I have uh, I have a cook's hand for at least one of the daily meals. All right. And um, can you tell me who who is your hero and has it been the same person throughout your life or has your hero changed? Um, I have I have not been one who has identified an individual as uh, solely as a hero. In a variety of ways, I know a number of people who are heroic in, in many ways. My, my brother George, who was suffered serious injury in Vietnam, I hold him out to be a hero. Although my personal point of view as a young, as a young person uh, had tended to be a, a pacifist. I'm not today a pacifist, and I recognize that in my adulthood, in my maturity, that that that's not uh, a a course for me. But I recognize the value of the, the heroism of my of my older brother. I also uh, hold um, as uh, heroic a, a number of people. People who overcome overcome great adversity in their lives in a variety of way, ways, either either illness or or uh, uh, injury. Uh, people who live through those uh, incidents and come forward with some measure of of. Um, value in their life, I think that's, those are heroic needs as well. And so uh, I, can, I can give you a list, a, a long list of people who I consider to be uh, heroic, not so much an, a single individual that I hold out above all others. I think every person uh, is uh, imbued with um, with heroism, and many lives around us are heroic lives that we might consider those lives to be very pedestrian and ordinary, but indeed are heroic in the way that life has been lived. Great. Um, and what what is your relationship with your emotions, meaning... Are you somebody who um, shares your emotions openly? Are you someone who's really easy to read, or do you like to keep your emotions to yourself and kind of um, private? 
I think I would probably you, you'd classify me as relatively private. I don't I, I don't don't usually um, I'm, I'm not usually openly expressive uh, with with emotions. Although I have to admit that that's something that's not always easy doesn't always easy uh, to come. That there are instances in which in a, a meeting of of, of of people with a particular objective, uh, when there are things that arise in a meeting that really piss me off, and uh, and, and I will and, and I often will make it clear that that's that the way things are going is not something that I that I would would support. But also go back to my sense that my daily readings and stoicism makes it clear that. There is a way for me to uh, leave leave those emotional things aside and recognize that there are, there are those, those many things that I have no control over, and so there's no point in uh, being upset about them. There's not anything that I can do about those conditions or circumstances. I'm curious. Gotcha. We talked about growth over the years. Is that something that led you to stoicism? You know, just was there, uh, did you kind of notice that there was an emotional element that you wanted to address using stoicism? I, just because you've given me a book and I've enjoyed it on stoicism and it has helped me kind of think about things in a different way. I was curious what led you to it and if, it, if you've changed through that process. I think uh, that's a good question, Scott. I think in part it's because what I found over time is that um, all the other things didn't work too well. And so that was the, what was left that was, that was uh, effective for me. Didn't, didn't work to address what? Uh, the, the issues that uh, I encountered on a day-to-day life. I would also say that as a young person, my father in his wisdom gave me a copy of Marcus Aurelius' Uh, uh, quotations uh, and uh, as a young person that was a part of what I read and mostly ignored and uh, but only in my in my uh, adult life later adult life that I've come back and and recall that there may be some wisdom there that would be useful uh, to me in the conduct of my daily life. I feel pretty confident that I know which chart is John's. I don't feel, I I mean, I I, I always want, I could probably ask more questions for the next hour just because I'm curious, (laughs) but (laughs) I think like, I feel like one chart is standing out so far beyond the other that I don't think I need to ask any more questions. Uh, You're very kind to do so. (laughs) <laughs> well, John, are there any major details that maybe we didn't get to, but you think are very important to understanding your personality if she was going to look at a chart and, and judge it? There doesn't have to be anything else. And before we turn it over to Sarah for her big reveal, is there any information that maybe she should also be aware of? I think I think what I have found in, in my life is that... Um, no one is perfect, and I am not perfect, and I have fallen short in a variety of ways over time, but it is possible for a person to recover from those uh, shortcomings and those failures. And uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time grieving too much about those things that happened that if I'd had a chance, I could do differently because I think that's probably everyone in their life has instances in which they uh, wish that they had a chance to redo something. But I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about something. Again, it's one of those things that my Stoic friends say, there's not anything you can do about it, so there's no point in getting too concerned about that. It's not something I have control over now. Sarah, you've, you've got everything you need, it sounded like. Uh, yes, I do. 
Do you want to tell us um, about which chart you chose, or do you want to start with naming the chart and then tell us why? Yeah, I could. Uh, I feel very confident that John here was born very close to Christmas and would be a Sagittarius in our chart B, the practical idealist. Does oh, you sound? want me to tell you? You want me to tell you if you're right already? <laughs> well, I thought that's what you were asking me. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you why I thought that, and then you can tell me? Is that what well, you're wanting? Well, I can already tell you, Sarah. Congratulations! <laughs> you have named John's chart. Now, John, you you know how this system works? Like she's looking at a different chart from somebody who's born like middle of the year or different like a couple years off no, for birthday. I'm, I'm, I'm completely ignorant in this area. I have no idea what Sarah is doing or why <laughs> Sarah is doing that. So she has a chart based on your birthday and a chart based on a random other birthday in the general okay. same time period. And then by talking to you, she has successfully, granted it's a 50-50 chance, she has successfully chosen your chart as belonging to you after getting a sense of your personality. How impressed are you on a scale of 1 to 10? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very impressed because one of the peculiarities about my birthday from the very beginning is that my the uh, physician that attended my mother uh, when I was born and uh, on the birth certificate that the physician was expected to complete uh, entered time of birth uh, December 21-22-12 midnight, uh, which is uh, either two birthdays or none at all, but it's also the cusp on the sign, two different signs of the zodiac. And I have and I have been able to say to a number of friends who I've told that, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe it explains a lot to Sarah, uh, but I've used that as kind of a joke in the past, but it is... Well, a, it is a peculiarity of my birthday. Yeah, that's very interesting because, um, yeah, I can see actually that you were born very close to midnight um, because of the position of the sun being so close to the bottom of the chart. Um, but, um, you know, there's actually a myth in astrology about cusps and people who are born uh, you know, on the cusp, they kind of think they're both signs. It's usually because they have some planets in those other signs. But you, when you are born on the first or last day of a sign, it means you're actually, you know, your, um, your sun is at a critical degree. So it's a lot more intensity and focus on that sign. So you are definitely a Sagittarius. And, um, I'll take, that interest... as, I'll take that as good news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all good news. There's no bad zodiac sign, despite what some people might think. Um, what's interesting is, though, um, I would be more concerned if you were born closer to when the signs change on the horizon. That, that would be um, suspect for me to worry that your chart might be wrong, uh, but your um, you definitely were born when Virgo was on the horizon, which makes you a Virgo rising, and that is a lot to do with uh, your personality and how your upbringing. Virgo is very service oriented and practical and logical and rational, and um, Virgo is ruled by Mercury. And you have Mercury and Capricorn, which is another sign that's very focused on uh, logic and practicality. And you use the word stoic a lot <laughs> in your interview, and that is um, a buzzword for Capricorn. Um, and there was just so many things that um, jumped out at me with chart B. Um yeah. And, you know, you said that you kept your emotions very private. That is a hallmark of having a Scorpio moon, which you do. 
Um, you said you were very service oriented and involved with the homeless and um, you're very involved with your community and you have your moon and Venus in the third house. So that is, um, that kind of told me again, that that was your chart. Um, so yeah, I could go on and on, but yeah, it definitely at one pretty early on when we were speaking or when you were speaking, like I had pretty much closed in on chart B, but I just wanted to keep asking just to make sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And is when there's there, a good, is there, is there a next step in this? Have I done what you asked me to do? And uh, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're... You know, I'll just say, you know, you're a Sagittarius. I, um, and a Sagittarius is someone who is very, um, focused on wisdom, the big picture, right versus wrong. And, you know, when you said your father was involved with law enforcement, the son represents the father. So someone who has a son in Sagittarius, that really makes sense that your father was someone who really instilled that right versus wrong into you, into your upbringing and, uh, and personality. And so, um, there's not necessarily a next step unless you wanted to book an astrology reading with me, <laughs> but you know, like the main purpose of this experiment is to either prove or debunk whether astrology is true. So my main mission here is to prove to Scott that this is real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm um, glad to, I'm glad to be evidence for Scott. Yeah. Way. You were a wonderful test subject. <laughs> um, did you have any questions for Sarah at all um, before we let you go? And no, close I, I, I want to say I want to say thank you. It's been a it's been a pleasant and painless experience, and and so I'm glad to have a chance to visit with you. And uh, even at this distance and this short time, it's a pleasure to have be, to be acquainted with you. Oh, well, thank you. It's so nice to have you on. You bet. Well, let's close out the show here. That's it, everyone. Let us know what you thought by commenting on whatever platform you follow us on. Links to our accounts are in the episode description. If you like the show, please follow us so you don't miss the next one. Rate and review and tell your friends. And until next time, this case is closed. Closed.